We are now joined by Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks on Sportsnet 650. I, I, I have to say, this trade, I was, I was trying to think of, you know, big trade, not Ron Settlebauer for Harold Filipov. I'm talking big <laughs> trades in, in Vancouver Canucks history. Uh, and I'm sure there are lots that are bigger that people could remember. But this was, I, I love it because it was out of the blue. I love it because all the, the insiders were scrambling uh, to get all the details and it took a while. Uh, and it's also, I think, a good trade for both teams. Fair? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, it, Lindholm is kind of the perfect player for the Canucks to acquire because he's maybe the only player that will get moved prior to the trade deadline this year that fits all of their needs. Uh, He's a right shot centerman, which they don't have. He can play the power play, which they kind of need a fifth guy on their top power play unit. Kuzmenko was playing there, but wasn't having much success. They've used Pew Suter there lately. So he can do that. He can be a penalty kill guy too. So JT Miller won't have to play as many minutes shorthanded as he has to this point in the season and he can play the wing he can play the middle they can play him with Pedersen they can play him with Miller he can anchor his own line if that's the way they want to go and they want to load up Miller and and Pedersen and Besser on the same line so he gives them a lot of options and then from a Calgary perspective I think it's a good value for a player that's a a pure rental so um, you know uh, people in Vancouver to a certain extent have been saying oh maybe the price was a little bit too high but you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet and you have to give up good assets in the NHL if you want to bring in good players and difference makers and I think that's how I see this trade. So do you have a, 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 a square like top dead center pronunciation on the young defenseman's name who's headed to Calgary? Hunter Brustevich. Okay. Brustevich. Hunter Brustevich. Okay, yes. I can do that. I, yeah. I almost killed myself on Victor Faust when he got here, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I, will, I will make sure you said it clearly. I can understand it. I know where it's going. It's all good. It's not like Wojohowicz. So And they did give up a player uh, and a pick, and you're right, that's a heavy payment. However... Uh, the Canucks fans I talk to are are pumped for the deal, but also the possibility of getting him signed. Uh, I know that it's too early to put a percentage on it, but uh, and they also have to sign Pedersen here. But is that is that sort of something in the back of the mind of the Canucks management that that would maybe make sense for both player and team? Yeah, I, I think so. It's all going to depend on what that number comes in at. And that's an interesting conversation to have because I think coming into the year when there was conversation about, okay, what would it take for the Flames to extend Lindholm and keep him in the fold, people were kind of using the contract that Bo Horvat got with the New York Islanders as a comparable. Uh, But Lindholm's had a down year. He hasn't produced much offensively. And that would seem like an overpayment at this point. And, um, you know, based on certain things I've heard in the last day or so, it sounds like Lindholm and the Flames were still at least a million dollars a year apart uh, in terms of where they saw the valuation of a potential extension. So, you know, I'll be interested to see if they try to move on that quickly or not, because the Canucks do have a lot of moving parts that they have to kind of juggle here to try and decide who's going to fit here long-term and who isn't. Elias Pettersson, as you allude to, is a restricted free agent and has basically said that he doesn't even want to consider talking contract until the summer. Uh, Philip Hironik, who has been a a great ad for them on their top pairing with Quinn Hughes, is also a restricted free agent. 
They have a number of unrestricted free agents, guys further down their lineup that have become important pieces in their success this year, like Teddy Bluger, Dakota Joshua, just to name a couple of them up front. Tyler Myers is a pending UFA on the back end. So there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of flexibility that they have. And that's another part of this trade that helps the Canucks in their, you know, future planning is Andre Kuzmenko had another year on his deal. So, you know, not only do you get out from under that salary cap space in the short term so that you can add Lindholm and it's essentially a straight swap on the books. And in fact, the Canucks actually gained, I think it was around $650,000 of cap space by making this trade. But they're also out from underneath Kuzmenko's $5.5 million that they were scheduled to pay him next season. And then on top of all of these factors, there's the Oliver Ekman Larson buyout, which gradually increases in terms of the cap hit that they're going to have to withstand year over year going forward. So all of this to say, like, I can't even really put a percentage on the likelihood of them re-signing Elias Lindholm because it depends on whether they're able to re-sign Elias Pettersson and what that number looks like and what Philip Horonik's number looks like. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think based on the price, though, you would imagine that it is their intent that if they gave up essentially five assets for this one guy, that you don't want to see him walk in free agency come July. But that said, there's there's so many factors that play into this that I wouldn't even want to make a prediction right now in terms of whether Lindholm remains in Vancouver long term. The one thing I will say, though, is I like the addition for all the reasons that I alluded to already about his fit in the lineup. I also like it because, to me, it is a contingency plan in the event that Elias Patterson pulls a Matthew Kachuk and at the end of the season says, I don't plan to sign here long term. I want to go elsewhere. Um, so you're going to have to find a way to move me out of town. Then you can say, OK, well, while it, it really hurts that we may have to trade Pedersen in this hypothetical scenario, then we can extend Lindholm and it's at least a bit of a contingency plan and a stopgap to cover up for losing your top player. And not that I'm saying I expect that to happen, but the longer things go without Pedersen engaging in contract talk, with the Vancouver Canucks, the more speculation builds in Vancouver and the more things like this become legitimate conversations that people are having in the city. That's an interesting wrinkle. Sports 1440, Lowdown with Low Tide, Brendan Batchelor, our guest, play-by-play voice of the Canucks on Sportsnet 650. So all of the Oiler uh, blogs and uh, radio talk shows are, are now filled with Oiler fans saying, well, they still haven't fixed the defense out there in Vancouver. Are they done And uh, in Vancouver and are the Canucks maybe looking at tweaking the defense they've already made a move uh are they in your opinion pretty much done or is there another shoe to drop here i tend to look it's jim rutherford so anything could happen but based on the assets they've given up in this trade for lindholm i think they're probably done in terms of making a big splash but tweaking around the edges absolutely they could do that and i think you know, that's a correct assessment that their greatest need now would be defensive depth and extra bodies to have on the back end in case of injury. You know, as far as their overall blue line when they're healthy, I think they like the the look of it in, in terms of the personnel that they have because they've got Hughes and Hironic who have been one of the best, if not the best defensive pairing in the NHL this year, right up with, you know, some of the, the, the top defensive players on the Oilers, especially through this recent recent stretch and the way Evan Bouchard has played of late. Uh, 
Um, you know, then you've got Tyler Byers, who has kind of come into his own and has solidified his spot on the right side. You've got Ian Cole. You've got Carson Soucy, assuming he's able to get back healthy. He's out with a hand injury right now. And Nikita Zadorov, And then Noah Juleson, who has actually given this team some very good minutes. He's one of their top four defensemen in terms of shorthanded ice time this year. Blocks a ton of shots. Uh, has really elevated his game. Becomes your seventh defenseman. But you probably want at least one other guy so that you can withstand an injury or two down the stretch and into the postseason. So that's what I'm expecting at this point. And I, I know there were some rumblings about Chris Tanev. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to make that work just with their salary cap situation and the assets they'd have to give up to beat other teams out who would also be interested in a player like Tanev and what he can bring. Um, So, you know, I don't think they're done, but I think they're done in terms of major moves like this one where they go and get Lindholm. So I am... I have the ability to admit when I'm wrong. It's one of my many great qualities. <laughs> and so, I, and I will be honest with you, I, I raged for a long time, uh, even recently, about how I felt like Canucks ownership was way wrong not to listen to Trevor Linden, that they should have shut it down and rebuilt two, three, four years ago. And somebody like me who made that point pretty much has to admit now that the ownership whatever vision they saw of this team, it appears that they were correct. I mean, this team has a chance to win the Stanley Cup. I don't think anybody can be uh, arguing against that. There's issues for sure, just like the orders. They've got guys that have been bought out and they've got, you know, money spent everywhere. But the Vancouver Canucks are legit. I didn't think we'd see this so soon, and I know Alvin and Rutherford get credit for that. But I also give ownership some credit for believing in this team. Is that fair? It is, and I think more importantly, believing in their core group and then finding the right guys to come in and complement those players with, uh, you know, with Rutherford and Alvin, who have given this team a chance to succeed basically overnight. Like, it's amazing to think back. You know, the trade for Lindholm happened a year and a day after they moved Bo Horvat to the New York Islanders, and they were sellers this time last year at the All-Star break. And at that point, they'd had a dreadful first part of the season. They'd fired Bruce Boudreaux. There'd been lots of controversy around that decision. Rick Tockett was just getting his feet wet as the head coach. And, you know, that sentiment was not just something that, that you were talking about. It was very prevalent in Vancouver, talking about, you know, can this core group have success? And, um, you know, should they should they be blowing it up? Should they be looking to the future? Um, but... Jim Rutherford, and you look at his track record, he's one of the most aggressive managers that we've seen in the NHL in the last few decades. And that is what this turnaround required, was a general manager in Patrick Alvine and a president of hockey operations in Jim Rutherford who were willing to be aggressive. And we just talked about the blue line. Perfect example. At the start of last season, only two of the defensemen that are on the Canucks' current roster are in their current top six as you would ideally construct them when they're healthy were on their roster that was Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers so in the past year essentially they've gone out they added Ian Cole and Carson Soucy in free agency this year they went and traded for Philip Hironik and then they went and traded for Nikita Zadorov earlier this season 
you know, that's not something that you see teams do every day, you know, change over four of their top six defensemen in a calendar year. But that's exactly what the Canucks have done, and that's what's allowed them to have success, is they're a better defensive team now. They're a bigger defensive team, with the exception of Hughes and Heronic, so they've got big physical guys that can fill passing lanes, can block shots, can kill penalties. And now, you know, we're seeing that when you put a good a defensive group in front of Thatcher Demko on top of the fact that Rick Tockett has this entire group playing with a level of structure that we had not seen from them maybe in a decade, that things can turn around quickly. But, you know, they wouldn't have turned around this quickly if not for how aggressive the management group has been. So absolutely you have to credit ownership for believing in this core group and then going out and finding the right people to come in and do the job to get this team turned around to where, you know, absolutely you're right. And this is something that I never would have thought I would be saying here on February 1st if you had asked me on October 1st, but the Canucks are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. It's true. Brendan Batchelor, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks on Sports 650, gave us a great pronunciation guide, and I've been practicing it. Hunter Brustavich, give me all the money. Look at me go. Victor Vost almost killed me, but I've come back.